And since this usually comes up during the show, how much TV have you actually watched of WWE since Night After Mania? None. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you know what? Doesn't change anything. It really does. I mean, I, I don't. I feel like I didn't have to. suffice y'all know who i am and y'all know why i'm here (laughs) this is our wrestling mania wrap-up show just in time we were working so hard on our one podcast a year that i had to give you a vacation and send you to disneyland before we could resume disney world whoops that's a critical mistake is there like a mnemonic device oh i got it world and west both have a W, so you say it's the opposite of that, and then you figured it out. So easy. That same thing works with starboard and port. They both have R's. R means right, and you're golden. Matt, let me cut right to the David Chase. For the last show, and I guess the last year, there has been so much talk and discussion and grief about an individual named something in Samoan, but codename Roman Reigns, and all the teeth gnashing over him, all the piling on, all the criticism, much of it not really his fault, and then when it was all said and done, when he was doing and saying it, because he could and he would, as his t-shirt says in a different tense, has an outstanding professional wrestling WrestleMania main event, and on top of that, must have had a decent-sized emotional letdown for having this uh, crowning moment undercut from him that he was expecting for a pretty long time, at least until the week prior to that. His family may be a different story, according to rumors and innuendos. So after all of that, I would like to, on my audio podcast, personally say to Roman Reigns, Fuck you, dude! (laughs) Fuck the juggernaut. Fuck the big dog. Fuck the year-long plan. Another one for the good guys. Boom! What say you? I was going to say, I hope you're happy, Justin. 
Hope you're happy for ruining everything once again. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I personally feel bad for this guy, this, this Roman Reigns. I mean, sure, he's devilishly handsome. And sure, he uh, probably made a lot more money than he probably would have expected a couple years ago. And sure, he's on television. The longest running action adventure show since Gunsmoke. And sure, he uh, has an alliterative pseudonym. Um, but besides all that, he, uh, he he had it he had it in the palm of his hand, and it was snatched it's away pissed. from him. It was right, and it was snatched away from him. And really, in my opinion, not for any particularly good reason. And now he's feuding with the Big Show on TV. I don't know what's going to happen to Roman Reigns, but I can tell you that. I do not envy him at this moment, despite all those really great things about his life that I just said. He's got a beautiful child. I've seen them in a commercial. Wonderful. And a large, passionate family. I think you're going to say a large, passionate fan base. Well, that really gets to the root heart of the matter, I think. Because remember when we did your top ten, or more than that, WWE Workers of the Decades show? And one thing we said about John Cena was like, if John Cena was not universally beloved, his work would be beyond perfect. Um, if that match had Roman Reigns as over as he needed to be going into it, like he would be so enhanced and rocket lit under a pond. I lost track of which prepositions go there and would have a lot of steam and a lot of momentum. And if it was the a phase in the quest of a professional wrestler back when booking fundamentals were a little more locked, I would say this guy's good to go now. That was such an incredible performance and really memorable moment. But unfortunately, question mark, I am wondering now if the damage of January to March has been too much and people have already digged their heels in against a guy they don't like and it will they've uh, poisoned the well on young reigns. Well, it doesn't seem like that's the case. Uh, he's getting booed less now than he was before WrestleMania, wouldn't you say? Yes, I think the uh, the Mania main event passing without the coronation of the Roman Empire that people, myself included, were really digging their heels in uh, has has taken a lot of the pressure out of not just that situation, but also him. He seems a lot more relaxed now that he can just go back to being like character on Raw uh, who's being pushed and not the guy who's about to take the company on his shoulders and and usher in a new age of Camelot. Right, and that, that I think I've said this before, that Mania main event slot is, and winning it as a babyface, is more important than being the champion by far. Um, last year when we were talking a lot about Daniel Bryan, there's a lot of talk about Bryan you know, getting the belt maybe at Extreme Rules instead of at WrestleMania, or the night after WrestleMania, or something like that. And you know, this was the argument of him wrestling Triple H and not being inserted into a three. Correct, and and I uh, and I maintain that that wouldn't. I mean, it would be it would in the end be okay, but it wouldn't quite be enough to satisfy people because it's not about being the champion. Because you know, so many different assholes have been the champion. It's about 
being the guy who wins the WrestleMania main event as a babyface. And that's the prestige moment. And without that pressure, without that idea that Reigns is stealing that moment from somebody else who maybe deserved it more, there's really nothing to fight Roman Reigns against. He's not He's not that bad. And he did deliver a great performance, in my opinion. He delivered a great performance at WrestleMania. It wasn't just Brock carrying him, although a lot of it was Brock. Reigns was great at selling. He He gave... You know, he, 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 you know, he took a lot of punishment. His timing was great. Uh, that match was, to me, uh, you know, one of the best WrestleMania main events ever by, by far. You know, better, in my opinion, as a match than, than last year's main event, which I love so much. Um, but, and I know you've said that that match would be even better had Reigns been, you know, cheered as a babyface. I actually think it worked the opposite way, with Lesnar being kind of the the popular dominant uh, monster and Reigns kind of being the plucky underdog that who everyone was against the crowd included. Um, I think maybe the only thing that hurt that match in a vacuum was the finish was not clean, but you know, in terms of storylines, it was probably the best, the best thing for uh, business, so to speak. But I think that from here on out, Reigns is going to be doing a lot better. And I, I almost don't think it's necessarily a dilemma anymore. I think that they have to book him better than they are. I don't think that a feud with the Big Show at this point is going to do him too many favors. But I guess it's not going to kill him either. The question is, what do you do with him now to now actually get him ready for the role that they want him in? To actually get him to the point where people uh, now are on his side? Because I'm pretty sure they still want him to carry the company eventually. Maybe maybe not, but that's uh, that's still how I saw it. So what do you do with him now? That's... um. For one, I agree with you. I'm a lot to cover. All of it, great, Matt. Thank you for your content. Um, but because we do so many months in between shows, and it's not like we're following a weekly product, I always try to make sure I never make any grand sweeping statements to get sig trapped by. Like I had those shows in the early '60s when I was like, the Beatles are bad, and people still make fun of me because of that. But well, I went to press uh, after the Go Home Raw on a on a podcast I did with a couple nice Irish people. Uh, after the Go Home Raw, and I think my final prediction was that the crowd was going to be tired and flat and kind of half-heartedly party-pooping Roman's uh, big ascension. No, that's someone else. Oh, and you know, you and I also covered a, a long recording where we were not especially excited about WrestleMania. But I think this was the year that of all things Sports Center saved WrestleMania and Lesnar double crossed us by re signing with the company right after we uh we went to press. I am comfortable saying it was ultimately the worst WrestleMania build ever. I don't know how you feel about that. Hmm I will think about it and ponder it. Um I So at least a it was a genuine candidate. Certainly a candidate. I um and I will say you were um, you were probably riding that Jerry and the Pacemakers train a little bit too hard uh, back in the day, uh, <laughs> but um, but you know we can't all we can't all be winners in the predictions game. Um, yeah, it was it was a really bad build up. Um, you know, the, just the as as was the case last year, the real life story got in the way and saved the show. That being uh, Brock Lesnar returning and the crowd not wanting Roman Reigns to win. So they actually. You know, the, the the fear was that for this year's WrestleMania, there would be no hero. There'd be no rooting interest. 
And Brock Lesnar in the last minute made himself a hero. And I think in the end, that's what you need to make a great memorable main event. Somebody that the crowd really, really, really roots for. And uh, he gave it to him. And therefore, the main event was saved. Um, and, you know, I, I think you had mentioned on a, another podcast that that, that match kind of needed to be a little weird to uh, mm-hmm. to kind of get over that Roman Reigns had to do something different. It had to be outside of the formula. And I think it... Uh, it was sufficiently weird, uh, for lack of a better word. It was an unconventional WWE-style main event. And I think uh, the blood, <laughs> for better or for worse, helped that. Uh, has, it, has it been determined whether or not Brock Lesnar bladed in that situation? There is some conspiracy Zapruder film for it, but to me, if I'm going to lay it all on the line, I'm saying he that son of a bitch rammed the soft part of his forehead directly on that pole as hard as he could for his art. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, if any, if there's any argument that it makes a difference, I think it made a huge difference in that match. And if that match had ended with a clean finish, Matt, to me, that's like, that's five stars easy. Well, maybe not easy, but it's five stars. And I don't think it was with the finish they had, but like I said, uh, in the long run, probably a good idea. I compare it to the, uh, Steve Austin versus Kurt Angle match from SummerSlam 2001, which was also on its way to me being an all-time classic five-star match. And the finish was great for the story they were telling, but watching it in 2015, uh, you don't really feel that context, so you kind of miss the epic, clean finish that would have given that the perfect little neat wrapping that it could have used to be the all-time great match. And I think that's the same thing with this one. But um, but I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. Um but yeah, yes, the the build was terrible. It was saved in the end. Uh, still, well, sorry. Yeah, my roundest of roundabout points was to ultimately come all the way around and agree with you saying that the reverse dynamic actually made that a great match. And Lesnar's re-signing sort of uh, put a new spin on Mania and said a lot of, a lot of like exciting scenarios were in play and just an intrigue that wasn't there before and enabled the match to have that atmosphere. I've always thought even if Lesnar was on his way out, the crowd still would have supported him just to just to ruin it and voice their displeasure. I never saw a Mania 20 situation coming, especially because um, telling WWE to fuck off is kind of a babyface act at this point to a lot of their dearest fans. But um, the reverse dynamic worked uh, in a great way. Lesnar... <laughs> came off as such a well, I mean he's always seemed like a big deal but then he was truly transcendent in more ways than one because not only is he Brock Lesnar who you've described uh just as a total anomaly that seems like something they called Bobby Lashley I don't know if that's true or not but uh but he was also like he stuck around to save us to save us from the bad scenario no one wanted and Going back to the idea of Reigns actually being popular, like that finish after he took everything and then was firing up and delivering all his finishers in succession and the great beast was finally shaken and tumbling and and all that. I I don't know the perfect time to peak it because kicking out of the two spears in a row was such a great spot, but if he had continued to like rain down upon him with blows and win the title like that, it's pretty it's pretty spectacular. I also felt like Lesnar catching him with the F5 was an incredible hope spot for me who was leaning back in the couch at that point with my arms crossed saying, "Here we go." And 
that was that was an electrifying moment. If Lesnar would have just won there, and it was like, yeah, Brock Lesnar is that good, and he's really hard to beat, that would also be um, a pretty amazing way to climax that match. Ugh, it's always gross when you say climax. But... Also roundaboutly, I don't think the Money in the Bank cash-in is the same type of groan finish as anything else because, at least in the logic of the world they established, it counts and it it was technically clean by, like, pretendies way that that's a thing that can actually happen. And I think the, the layout of who almost won and when made all three guys stronger, which is arguably better overall than one of the two original principles beating the other. Um, I wish I'd ended that sentence with the cadence of a period and not going on. Mm-hmm. I'm finished. Thank you. Well, I think, I mean, I think it was excellent booking. Don't get me wrong. I think that was, uh, for going forward, I think that was the best thing you could have done on that night, you know, all things considered. And, you know, I do think that, that Seth Rollins is, is in a, you know, he feels like a legitimate main eventer now. Um, I think they they could do a lot to give him some more credibility. I think they need to stop booking him to be a, as kind of goofy as he is. Um, I, I believe that he's going to beat Randy Orton cleanly at Extreme Rules or cleanly enough in a, you know, in the cage match context that it's going to work. And I think that if they go to a short-term feud with Kane, amazingly, that will actually. <laughs> get over for a month or so. Uh, I think once they start having matches, maybe not so much. Um, Can we detour into that for a second or is it, have we, no, no, isn't it amazing? Please, please do. Kane again? Yeah, I was going, I was going to say he, he manages to finagle his way up there all the time and I have no explanation for it. So does it sort of ease some of the consternation over him working Brian last year when you see that like, it's just Kane. It shall always be Kane. Yeah, I, irrevocably Kane, the big red machine. It does. The devil's favorite demon. No, it does, especially Jacobs. Especially when you. Kane. That's all. I've got. Okay. Especially when you see that you know what they have for Roman Reigns. Half of the brothers of destruction. That's all. Go ahead. Hmm. I. Just testing. Um. I, as you you see that um. Even with for Roman Reigns, the idea they have for him is the big show, which does tell me in a way like it wasn't necessarily an attempt to undermine Daniel Bryan as much as it was that they just had bad ideas for what to do. And, um, you know, they did give him that token main event spot last year. So, yes, it does. It does. You know, um, it does kind of soften that blow a little bit to know they just they just love Kane. And this year, amazingly, they've managed to book Kane in a situation where people actually want to see him in a championship (laughs) match. So good on them. Uh, for all I know, they're going to blow that and actually keep him a heel and not give the match the one match that people actually are having any interest in seeing right now. Yeah, it's it's weird, and I think uh, what I also find to be weird about it is that despite the fact that they're clearly, I mean, they 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 are making Seth Rollins the focal point of the show. You know, it's not like he's fake champion; he is the top guy right now in terms of who they're featuring the most. Right? I mean, you'd agree with me on that. Mm-hmm. And Roman Reigns is the other guy that they're featuring a lot of. And yet somehow it still all feels so stale and old. You know, they, they absolutely are pushing guys that are new. I mean, you know, two and a half years ago, those two guys were not even on 
the TV. And now they're the top two babyface and heel in the company, respectively, at least as far as active wrestlers go. And it still feels so stale. And uh, I think that leads me to a maybe a tangent, maybe just my second big point. Which, point number two. Yes, which is that I think the biggest thing that WWE doesn't have, I mean, the writing, the fundamentals are bad. But I'm realizing now that they just don't have compelling storylines and angles at all. <laughs> And like they, they don't even bother trying to think of one like story arcs, you know, feuds, issues that are different and interesting. It doesn't seem like they really try that hard. You know, they like I said, they accidentally fell into one last year with Daniel Bryan. Um, yeah, they, they booked the beginning of it really well. And then they decided that wasn't important. And then they they kind of <laughs> they kind of fell they fell into it being a real angle by mistake. But otherwise, you know, what's like what's the what's the hook? There's no hook. I mean, in, you know, in the 90s, WCW, they had the NWO. Then in WWF, they had, you know, Canada versus USA, the Heart Heel Turn, the Heart Foundation reemerging, all these interweaving storylines. And then they had Austin versus McMahon and things kind of wove from there. What do they have? They don't have anything. They're not even really trying. It's just the authority. Seth Rollins is a chicken heel. I mean, I don't know. Do you need big storylines? I feel like all of this is kind of an argument for yes, you do. And um, the most memorable periods still, even recently, are the periods that had the overarching theme, which would be, I guess, in recent years, Nexus, um, even as that petered out, it was an overarching theme and you know that made the show feel different. And then the, the punk thing for a little while, Daniel Bryan for a little while. So this it's still missing that. So no matter how many new guys you push, if they're not doing anything interesting with them, it will still feel stale. The use of Big Show and Kane as the semi-main event heels since November, people hate it so much and have run that into the ground, but 100% rightfully show. Rightfully show? Right, yeah, rightfully, rightfully, so. rightfully so. Rightfully so. They have uh, truly like killed that show. And ever since then, I think um, Big Show is actually underrated overall and i wouldn't be surprised if he and reigns felt inspired to work really hard in their pay-per-view match and surprise people i remember big show and sheamus doing the same thing in one of their pay-per-view main events but i don't think chicago is going to be interested in their hard work um and then kane has had less highlights over the last uh long long while but hell no was fun and everyone says he's a swell guy I think more than them, and it is a massive mistake to use them when they have so many other people who could be the muscle in the authority. Their names are Wade Barrett, Seamus, Luke Harper, and so on and so on. But I think the authority overall is a bigger problem. I think um, there's has yet to be a good reason for them to be back on TV since they were dissolved in November, and I know why they are. And I, I, I maintain no illusions about it, but I think the authority was a great vehicle to get Daniel Bryan over. It was not really designed that way. It was more like Bryan was supposed to get beat up to make everybody upset at them so that a larger, more Filipino man could come in and beat them instead. And I get the feeling that uh, I think with Vince phasing himself out to pasture, 
this is just supposed to be the status quo is that raw is a TV show that's run by triple H and Stephanie as the authority and people will go in and out of that group. And sometimes like Vince's run from 98 to God, I mean, he took 2007 ish or later. Yeah. He took breaks with general managers, but he was still, when he got the inkling came in as the, the top heel. I think that's just the new status quo. I think that's, bad i don't think there's a whole lot that can be done about it but like they work perfectly as foils of daniel bryan the guy who they say can't have the championship because he's the wrong guy and and they don't want it and they want sexier dudes on top and i would we never really got to see it but i think they would have worked as antagonists of cm punk because he's like shut up etc but after Brian got hurt last year, and I suppose the shield worked because they were like, hey, we do what we want to. After Brian and the shield were gone as of June, then the authority comes out and they're like, John Cena, you just hate the way we run this place, and we're tired of you like standing up for an uprising and being your own man. And that was especially flat, although John did get some emotion by putting a ragtag band of weirdos together to fight them. But worse than that, when they're like, Roman Reigns, nobody we want to be champion less than you. There's nobody we would like to see holding our championship as the standard bearer of this company than your beautiful, tall, glistening body. (laughs) So I think if you wanted to get Roman Reigns over as your top babyface and undo all the damage that has happened to him in in 2015, it's a very easy formula, and it's called What the Rock Did Twice. (laughs) Um, It seems tailor-made for him, but they... I guess the landscape is different now with maybe there's licensing and things like that where they need Roman Reigns as a babyface, and if they turned heel, then they'd have a major vacuum in their t-shirt department that would be all kinds of trouble. But I think if Reigns, and this was the angle I was, I think would have liked the most coming out of Mania, was a proper double turn with Reigns becoming the corporate champion. Then you've got an ideal number one heel who... I guarantee you, like, people have short memories in terms of the accumulation of wrestling angst, and after he was a hot heel, look at Randy Orton. He was a heel, and then you're pushed as a top heel, and you get to win a lot, and then when you turn, people are like, there's that guy who wins. Whatever, man. Let's hang out. Yeah, I mean, I remember thinking all the way back to SummerSlam 13 when Vince was out there, and he's like, we don't want Brian as champion. We also don't want that damn John Cena <laughs> champion. He's not he's not our kind of guy. He's too independently minded. Yeah, exactly. Um look at the way he dresses. There's nothing corporate about John Cena. <laughs> but I think it, it takes me back actually to um the whole Rikishi angle where he uh, ran over Steve Austin and the and the the explanation was it was because Austin kept getting all these chances and the Rock <laughs> didn't get any of the chances. Meanwhile, the Rock had been the corporate champion for you know a long time while Austin was com- constantly fighting the uh, the company. So it was very contradictory, and I guess they didn't even think of that when they did when they did any of this. And I just 
I don't know. They make these storylines where, like, even probably little kids don't buy it. They're just like, yeah, they don't get into the storylines. They're just like, yeah, John Cena. Did you see? He won last night. Another <laughs> win for John Cena. You know, that's and it's pretty much the extent of how you can really sink your teeth into those storylines at this point. Did the guy you like win? Okay. Did the guy you like lose? Oh, I hope he wins next time. You know, it's it's like. Why not just do a completely back to basics wrestling show if your if your storylines are going to make as little sense as they do? But that's neither here nor there. I guess the question is, what are you building to? What are we building to? What should we build to? With the story you've told with him, and I reject the notion that it's the only destination can be Roman Reigns getting the belt. Because like, hey, let's continue to listen to see if he's actually over. But with that presumption. Do you make him go full circle and get it at WrestleMania and write what he had failed to do the year prior? Um, I think if if that can be accomplished, it's a worthy <laughs> do you goal. Have the balls to have him win another Royal Rumble. It's a worthy goal. I feel like there should be an edict passed down this year that next year's Royal Rumble they have every intention of it not being ruined. Huh. I think they should just be like, how will this be exciting? And if they do want people to boo, or if they are okay with it, let them put a heel over and get the boo organically instead of uh, a mutiny boo. Um, so I, I, I don't think they should go with Roman Reigns. I don't think they should decide yet who's going to win the Royal Rumble. But I do think it might be fun for us to be like, okay – Next year's WrestleMania, barring like, you know, them, you know, merging with New Japan or something weird. Like, given like that, we pretty much know what the roster is going to be a year from now. What should we be looking at for next year's WrestleMania? If you had to book the show a year out. If I had to book the show a year out and wanted a slam, bam, guaranteed, bona fide attraction, I would book The Rock against Brock Lesnar. Hmm regardless of whether or not there's anything to pay it forward out of that. I would just say, I've done it. And then um, put together the kind of card you and I would like, pretty much the opposite of this one, where they had all of the heels go over all the baby faces we like to save them for matches against uh, three or four old guard wrestlers. Yeah, um, I'm sure. Okay, so Lesnar versus Rock, I've sort of been down on because I felt like we've seen the match already and the Rock had diminishing returns against John Cena. But I'm starting yeah. I'm starting to see now that like this is really the first time where they'll be able to put the Rock in a main event while he is arguably the biggest movie star in the world. You know, or in that running. I think, you know, he's always been he's been a big movie star for a long time, but I think He's at another level now where he's like like top of the A-list. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's probably makes him a big draw no matter what. And Lesnar is now probably the biggest WWE star to the mainstream. And I don't know if that was always the case. So probably the dynamic is such that it will be a big deal even though it didn't really tickle my fancy. I don't know. What do you think about those two dynamics and if uh, I got, I'm on to something there? I completely agree. I think they would have been true the last time they were supposed to do it was last year, right? I be- and then Rock didn't do it. I believe so. But it's even more true now with Brock finally getting a push in WWE, as weird as that is to say. And then Rock, yeah, I think 
Rock is a little bit rejuvenated by not working um, back-to-back Mania matches and actually three straight. Although he has appeared and done a long promo on three out of five WrestleManias. That's right, right? Uh, hasn't he been there for for all of yeah, them? Yeah, for five straight years. Right, yeah. Now, the two caveats are, one, Lesnar turned babyface, but I don't think that is that much of a holdup because I think he's a babyface to the audience, but he's just going to be Brock Lesnar, man who does Brock Lesnarian activities. Yeah. And they love it, and he loves it. Ideally, I would also... I mean, you don't need Paul Heyman to turn babyface. Just have him keep being Paul Heyman for Brock Lesnar, and people will love that accordingly. But the other is that they evidently shot an angle for Rock and Triple H at WrestleMania. Um, I don't know how you feel. I think the mixed tag is actually a really unique and interesting idea in sort of the... I mean, not a freak show sense, but just like the celebrity intrigue that has made up. It's sort of a combination of WrestleMania 1 and WrestleMania um, 23, with the value of the McMahons being more than you might think it was. Yeah. Um, separating them as two singles matches, on the other hand, to me, is madness. I 100% agree. I think uh, I think that, you know, I'd be very down on Rock versus Triple H. I would be higher on that mixed tag of Rock and Ronda Rousey against Triple H and Stephanie than I would be on Rock versus Lesnar, honestly. I think that's a unique match. I think you get a lot of mainstream attention. I think she's probably the biggest celebrity they could get as far as a, someone who would actually draw people to watch WWE that don't normally. I don't think there's really a dynamic in the world that allows that anymore. As you saw, I don't, I don't think Floyd Mayweather you know, had nearly the... Uh, the drawing power that Mike Tyson did, uh, you know, in his time. Am I, am I wrong about that? I was going to say Mayweather is, is proof in the positive direction because he, he didn't come close to the Trump number. And I think they were disappointed by that, but he did keep it at the WrestleMania level for another couple years until it dropped off at 26. I guess 26 is the one aberration that had the UFC the night before. So Mayweather with like very confusing booking against probably not an ideal opponent, unless the idea was like for people in mainstream commercials to go, Whoa, what is that? That's got to be the world's largest athlete. I'd love to see him box a little guy like that. Um, so Rousey actually handled properly, I guess, and taken to by the wrestling audience the way she's supposed to be has, yeah, a lot more potential. Yes, I agree with that. I think that I think that's probably the biggest match they can do. I think, yes, if, if, they, if they get Ronda Rousey and they get The Rock – and they decide to do two singles matches, yeah, they're ridiculous. Because that mixed tag would get a lot of publicity and would probably be a ball for the media. Whereas, you know, whereas uh, The Rock versus Triple H, I don't think that the media would care as much about that. You know, I, I think, the, you know, The Rock would be able to do the media round so easily on that mixed tag, have so much to talk about, you know, bring Ronda with him. Uh, to all these, you know, meet to the Today Show and to uh, Fallon and whatever. And uh, it's SNL. You know, it's just not the same dynamic if they split it up like that. So, yeah, I think that would be huge. It is a funny dynamic. Like, I think Paul and Stephanie are 
ideal foils for Rock and Rousey together, and they're like kind of a unique act. They're the McMahon family, and there is some oomph behind that. Um, nobody's hair is on the line, but I think 2007 proved that Vince, as a wrestling character, was was uh, still a big draw after all those years in the right circumstances. Um, and the the mixed tag aspect is sort of a, a circus atmosphere. It feels like promoting wrestling in the 50s, like men and women, side by side, celebrities, movie stars, the baddest woman in the world. Um... And then a singles match between Rock and Hunter is just like, remember last show when you said, is there any such a thing? Is there any such thing as a Triple H dream match? Like, Jesus Christ, that's not one of them. Nope. There is no, uh, there's no singles Triple H dream match that I could think of. And I don't think Sting fit that bill. Um, but um, so, so obviously I, I, we were kind of in agreement on what match would be like a big hook and a big mainstream draw. But I was more thinking of like when I asked the question, like, what do you do with the roster for next year's WrestleMania? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you know, when you get into the meat of it, besides the special attractions, what are you doing with these guys? You're Sean Stasiak's. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're, uh, you know, um, Pretty Mean Sisters, for instance. You're Beef Wellingtons. Yes. G- give, the, uh, give the Pretty Mean Sisters a chance. I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like, where do we position the roster to in WrestleMania? Who's going to be your champion next year? Who's going to be winning your title next year? What are your big matches going to be? I'm already thinking along the lines of like as another special attraction match. I still am not high on Undertaker versus Sting. Uh, you know, I see that they both want it or at least Sting wants it. I still think if you want to do the biggest WrestleMania Cena versus The Undertaker is the way to go. It's a match that they haven't done in a long time. You know, a really long time, actually. And it's, you know, they're two biggest stars of a certain of certain eras. I think that would be a big match. Sting, I don't know what you do with him. I don't know if you need to do anything with him, unfortunately. You know, have him, have him be in the Hall of Fame or whatever. But I, I'm looking at Cena versus Undertaker. Uh, what do you think of that? Cena Undertaker was probably like my number one wanted WrestleMania match for many, many years before they broke the streak. Um, I think it loses almost everything without that. Um, aside from, like you said, it, it hasn't been done in a good long time. As far as a program, yeah, they that was 2003 when they worked on pay-per-view. And then, uh, of course, a good SmackDown match in summer 2004 when Undertaker was a heel controlled by Paul Heyman's Urn Machinations. You know exactly what I'm talking about there. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I I think I would have said Undertaker Sting is something to do just to do it, but it feels like this was the year they should have then done it, and Sting having lost, like... What is there to sting anymore? But if Undertaker is going to do a retirement match in, match in Texas, who's a bigger opponent for him to do it with than John Cena? Yeah, that's true. I mean, Brock, but you don't want to go back to that for many reasons. Right. Yeah, I see your point, and it also goes against Sting because in the context of WWE sprawling history, Sting and Undertaker can't have a double retirement match because it implies that they're equal legends. And in the WWE version of history, and reality, but you know, it's a far bigger gap than maybe in reality, Undertaker is like 10 times as important as Sting. 
So if Undertaker is going to, whatever he says, probably quote some Johnny Cash lyrics and say, like, this is my last rodeo, partners, I promise. Some way you can sell it as the last Undertaker match and have it known as that. Um, Sting is is not the right dynamic. I thought if Undertaker won and Sting won this year, I was kind of anticipating an angle on Raw where Undertaker came out and in a very slow, low voice alluded to the fact that like he avenged his loss and he was ready to sail off into hell where he was born and live evilly ever after. And then Sting interrupts him and he's like, you got one more thing to do, pal. They could have booked it a year in advance. But now Sting is just some dumb idiot who lost to Triple H. So. And who who got hit by a sledgehammer and then shook the man's hand. Yeah. So, um... I think that match very much sucked. But I think it is kind of fitting in the life of Sting is that, yeah, it figures that like one of the most important matches of Sting's life should once again see him recede into the background of the machinations of other people, including Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash, and uh, have his big crowning achievement be an afterthought that disappointed many. Yeah, That's just like the story of Sting's life. Yeah, I agree. I, I actually enjoyed that match quite a bit. I thought there was no way to do that match well, so they just made it a comedy match, and I thought that was exactly how you do that. You just make it silly. And I, I, I genuinely think that was what they should have done. Now, looking like not not the would I would have done that, but in hindsight, I feel like the perverse thing to me is that the entire career of Sting in WWE's perception of him was boiled down to that idea that DX driving the tank to Nitro was the most important moment in the history of Monday Night Wars. That's preposterous, as is the idea that. Like, okay, I can accept that in wrestling, the people you feuded with a long time ago become your greatest allies due to respect. So NWO helping Sting, I have no qualms with that. But it's pretty clear that, like, the allegiances of Kevin Nash and Scott Hall would lie with Triple H a lot more than they would with Sting. Well, right. And if you're going to make it pure WCW... WWF lines, then Ric Flair should have been the final pop after Shawn Michaels came out. I I agree with that. Certainly. Certainly agree with that. I just feel like I wasn't looking at that point for it to make any sense. I just feel like it was, you know, complete nonsense and silly and it was entertaining as such. Um as far as WrestleMania, I was thinking as far as some other things, I'm just thinking of these things off the top of my head, but what about this? You finally get your Shield three-way match as the main event for the title. Well, thinking of Reigns, I figure... I don't think Reigns and Rollins has a lot of oomph, regardless of the angle that Rollins specifically wronged him. What was his greatest moment? So, yeah, Shield three-way is a great idea, aside from the fact that you'd really have to do a lot of booking work that they took a year off on doing and it bit them in the ass this time to make sure that Ambrose is not 100% babyface and Reigns is just as much a heel as Rollins. Um, That's a long time from now, so it's not out of the question. Um, Or Reigns Cena in the Hogan Warrior torch passing match. There may be something to do with Cena and getting him up to those Ric Flair world title wins by then. Yeah, if they end up doing Undertaker versus Sting, I would do Reigns versus Cena. And then as far as Brock, because you want to do something big with Brock. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Oh, what's bigger than than the leader of the Yes Movement, Daniel Bryan, man? Well, I was actually going to say, you either do Rollins defending against Lesnar after you know a year-long revenge angle. It doesn't seem like much for Lesnar to be conquering Seth Rollins, unfortunately. <laughs> but I can't think of any you know what else to do with him. You know, it's hard to make Lesnar the underdog unless you have all these like wacky stipulations and stuff, which they could do. And then maybe reigns against Brian in some sort of uh, some sort of angle. Brian is uh, is an interesting case because we really don't totally know how much he is falling apart and how likely he'll be to wrestle in next year. Um, the best case scenario right now to me, and we're taping this after Rod before the pay per view, is that he got a concussion from Sheamus and. Liability wise, the company can't officially say that he got a concussion and then they sent him on the European tour, so they just have to say he's he's a bit indisposed at the moment. Um if it's something more serious than that with his anatomy and physiology, then that would be unfortunate. But the concussion situation is pretty dire too, given that we pretty much know that he's had tons and tons and tons of them over the years, and that's an incredibly dangerous situation to be in. So I don't know if a wrestler's... I would... Sorry, I would say it's wrestling, so he'll just keep accumulating them, but we saw they did pretty much formally end the career of Christian when he just kept getting them. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Like, we're getting to the point now where they know enough about concussions to where people will say, this is enough. You, uh... You know, be an agent. You know, be... Or producer. Um, I, uh... You know, I mean, I hope he does whatever is best for his health. I hope what's... That... He's, that his situation doesn't necessitate him retiring for his health because I like watching him and he's my fave. But, you know, that could be. Um, as far as big opponents for him, if it's not Lesnar in some sort of dream match, you know, maybe it could be Cena in some sort of dream match. I really feel like Cena at this point is a very useful and versatile cog to have because you can put them against – you could put him against a lot of different guys – in order to make those guys feel like they're in important situations. And that's that goes for Undertaker, that goes for Reigns, that goes for Brian, that goes for a lot of different guys, you know, uh, Rollins. I think Cena, actually, his biggest virtues are probably in these, like, babyface versus babyface matches where he's, like, you know, in a sort of a pass-the-torch situation. It's, it's hard to um, figure out what to do with a lot of these guys over the next year. I don't know what you do with Daniel Bryan. I don't know necessarily what you even do with Seth Rollins, and he's the champion. So I'm trying to um, to kind of make something that would seem exciting for them. And I guess there are options, but it's hard to know where they where all of the pieces fit. You know, if if Shawn Michaels is willing to come back and do that match with Daniel Bryan, I think that would be great because you can keep Bryan out of the you know official main event mix while still giving him uh, you know a match that would satisfy his fans, mainly me. Um, <laughs> And uh, unfortunately for you, I don't know if you listened to it, but Sean on Jericho's podcast said that that was pretty specifically as much as he loved Brian, not the kind of unique thing he'd be interested in coming back for. I've heard that. And I, uh, I think he is uh, misguided in that because I, I, I just don't see a better scenario than that. Like, I feel like somewhere in his. It's not just student versus teacher. It's like the guy that a bunch of people thought was the best wrestler living versus his antecedent. Right, exactly. It's like the new best versus the old best. 
um, the new Mr. WrestleMania versus the old Mr. WrestleMania, even though that's obviously not true for Brian at this point. But he did <laughs> he did have great matches a couple of years in a row. So three great matches at WrestleMania in a couple of years. So I think they can at least pretend that he's on his way to being the new WrestleMania. You know, they put over that ladder match as being better than it was. So you could still kind of go with that, at least as a in kayfabe terms. And um, whatever, I want to see that match. I still do. I don't know, you know, if Sean's heart will be in it. But I can't think of a better a better situation for Sean to come back to. I think somehow deep down, Sean must still think like I got one more run with Hunter. You know? <laughs> God, if if they had one more Rock Triple H run, then anything is possible. There was supposed to be one more Batista Hunter match this year, but he got too literally too uh, successful for. I feel like we're still we're still uh, not too late to have that one more Triple H versus Kevin Nash feud. Well, they had a ladder match. <laughs> Proper way to blow that off in Kev's career. But I thought you were going to say Hunter and Randy one more time. Yeah, Hunter and Randy more time. Um, I see that as something that is much more likely to happen than any of the other things we said, actually. Mm-hmm. I was unprepared to speculate on future WrestleMania alignments. But if I was anticipating in that direction, it seems to me that the uh, pattern since 2011 or so has been to take Rock, Brock, John Cena, Triple H, and The Undertaker and match them against each other or handpick someone else unique for them to fight and probably beat and then figure it out with everybody else after the Royal Rumble. Well, that what I like so much about WrestleMania 30, which, by the way, I still think is better than WrestleMania 31. We're going to get to that next. Yeah. Um, but I, um, but I, what I liked about that was that it felt like they were doing something new with those guys um, and not really going back to that old pattern, which they kind of went back to, which is old guys doing stuff with old guys and uh or or one or or one or two handpicked new guys it was kind of like a feeling of oh you know the rest the current roster has this show back even though you know triple h was involved in an angle and they had the undertaker versus brock um it felt like there was just a lot of the current roster was the star of the show you know whether it be cesaro or brian or um you know bray wyatt uh the current roster was the star and mm-hmm. i i guess you know there there's in a sense that's true this year too but you know, you had Undertaker steamrolling Wyatt. You had that an, an extra special attraction match in Sting versus Triple H. You know, you had Brock in the main event, and you know that's he's great, and he should be a guy who's on top currently. But he is still a, very much a part timer. So I, I, they didn't quite go back to the to the to the worst of that formula, which I think was probably WrestleMania twenty nine. Mm-hmm. But. I th- I thought that's part part of why thirty was so refreshing. It, it kind of changed things up a little bit. And it's it's weird to have. I mean, we'll see about Rock and Triple H, but to hear that a year in advance is, and to think of Triple H and Stephanie getting heat on the roster <laughs> to build themselves up for their mania opponents is is not really that enticing. Yes, I agree with you on that. And that's why, like, if you if I really sat down, I would. I would have probably from right now to then, if I was going to do guest booker myself, I'd probably do something with like Roman Reigns as corporate champion, probably a heel shield reunion, lots of wins and victories for Daniel Bryan, 
um, pushing the guys we talk about all the time in important roles. So I'd lay out a card like that and then sprinkle in, as they should have been all these years, Rock and Lesnar and those guys, and like intermingle them to build up um, the lower-level people by working with them. Like, not saying pick a guy from obscurity and put him in that match, but Rock and Punk was the, the perfect example to me was like now granted punk hated it (laughs) and he had to lose repeatedly and he did lose one too many times but that's the kind of like eras colliding you never thought this was possible kind of match you got and i guess punk is the only one who who elbowed his way into that club since he got a match with rock and a match with lesnar yeah how long is punk's ufc contract because I'm still, I'm still the guy who's holding out hope for him coming back, despite the fact that he would hate it. Matt, what about Rock and Rousey versus Punk and Ape? Hmm. The big return. Well, now you're speaking my language. Yeah. Well, that that would give some Daniel Bryan something to do if Punk's big return against the uh, against the guy who kind of usurped him as the as the anti-authority hero, even though he's all smiles and kisses. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I would be uh, I'd be down with with almost anything involving CM Punk coming back to professional wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna not factor that into my predictions for the next long little while. But if I were him, I would plan for down the road to show up and win a Royal Rumble and main event WrestleMania once he had the leverage to do it. I um I wonder if he's not already doing that. I actually think he's probably not. I think he's all into whatever he's going to do in UFC. Um. I hope he does well. Good luck. Looking forward to um, hearing about what happened. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shut up a second so I can say something to all my stupid listeners. I need to tell them about the sponsor for our show, which is the internet URL, ESPN.com. ESPN.com is the official website of the ESPN channel. It's bringing the worldwide leader to the World Wide Web, and it's loaded with features for true sports nuts. These are including but not limited to news, scores, game recaps, stats, team rosters, and player weights. Use the offer code SHABS for a free trial, www.espn.com. It's da-da-da-da-da-da.com. So, yeah, this was actually the first thing I meant to talk about, but we can get to it now. I can't, once you force me to come up with much of a, a WrestleMania, if you want me to go home and do homework about it, I can come back to you next time and tell you what I came up with. But I can talk about this year's Wrestlemania. Last year we did a gimmick where we re-put together the whole show. Um, Maybe we'll try that this time and see what your instincts are there. But just contextually in the hierarchy of wrestling manias, it was called by some very briefly the greatest show in company history and then walked back. Um, What did you think of Wrestlemania via V greatness? Well, at no moment when I was watching it did I think it was one of the greatest ever. But, I mean, when I, by one of the greatest ever, I mean, like, top four or five. Um, you know, I thought it was very, very good. I, I um, thought the main event was spectacular. I, I, I was one of, I guess, one of the few who really liked what they did with Sting versus Triple H, just from, a, like, a nonsense standpoint. You know, I didn't think it was a very good match. Most of the undercard, I thought, was just, you know, solid. Yeah, and and I think there've been plenty of WrestleManias that have had a lot of matches that were well above solid. I thought the ladder match was not a memorable ladder match. I don't really remember too much about it, honestly. I, I remember it being good. You know, Orton versus 
versus Rollins. Also, I don't think particularly memorable. Had a really good finish. Um, Cena versus Rusev, I liked a lot. Um, I think, I guess, probably the um, match at Fastlane was better, but that that was still good. I think Wyatt versus Undertaker over-delivered. But really, if you're looking back at this WrestleMania, to me, the only other, the only two things I'm ever going to watch again would be the Rock Rousey angle and the main event. And I think there are WrestleManias that have a lot more rewatch value. And I think WrestleMania 30, you know, sort of you could put a neat bow on it and had all those historical moments and it had everyone's favorite winning and two great matches. And it had, um, so I think that holds up better and I liked it better on the day too. I probably, probably enjoyed as, as a whole, I probably enjoyed WrestleMania 28 more, even though probably WrestleMania 28 was not better. But, you know, I liked the Punk versus Jericho match, and the main event was a pretty amazing spectacle. And, you know, Undertaker versus Triple H, I don't think that match holds up very well. But it was a unique thing. It was epic in its way, even though it was probably the campiest soap opera match in WWE history as far as on, like, a major level that you're supposed to take seriously. No, stop wrestling. I can't. I know I'm a wrestling legend and I'm the referee here, but I can't just. No, it's too much. Yeah, I think that was uh, like someone should make a gift gif of that match where Shawn Michaels is like, no, stop wrestling. And then somebody on an internet message board will be like, yeah, no kidding. But. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, Verbatim, that should be it. Yeah. Verbatim. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but disregarding that, um, it was a very, very good show. I just I, I was surprised by the uh, by the all the you know historical talk right after. But you know I, I wasn't bothered by it because I like it when things I just watched are things that everyone's excited about. And I was feeling very excited after the show because I thought the main event was on another plane than what I expected. And I think you know Plane-to-the-today I don't know the Today Show. Yeah, exactly. But I, but I thought probably the best WWE match I've seen in a very long time. I can't even think of the last one. I mean, the, the main event, the title match of the Royal Rumble was great, but I thought this one had a different level of intensity that made it better. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of the last WWE match that I liked as much. Maybe the first Shield versus Wyatt family match, but maybe even further than that because this one felt so epic. Um, but it, I thought it was on a rare level as far as WWE matches go. Uh, maybe the first uh, Lesnar versus Cena match, even. Um, so that that's what I take away from it in terms of greatness, in terms of history. Just um, that main event, that Rock angle, and otherwise it was just solid. It was a very good show, but I, it's not. It's probably not in my top five WrestleManias. I think we're more or less on the same page. I never considered it to be even a candidate for the best WrestleMania, and hand-in-hand hand with that, the best show in company history. But I thought it was an excellent WrestleMania. It's just there have been a lot of excellent WrestleManias since 2001, and they, I'm glad they got back to having uh, a couple of years in a row with great WrestleManias since that and sort of um, the invincibility of it always delivering on that night had, had worn off for a few years. Uh, it reminded me of WrestleMania 22 all over again, which was a show people were not excited at all about with a babyface main eventer people were rejecting and he and the main event and the card top to bottom 
uh, exceeding expectations across the board. I think um, where the show stands out historically is like if you if you does your star ratings accumulation website do average star rating for WrestleMania? Was that a thing? They, it does. I have not. I've been slacking. I haven't done it for this year yet. But uh, I would say that it it must be very high on this one. Yes, but I don't. In that I, there was just like no bad stuff, and there was bonus good stuff like the first hour of pre-show matches. That um, so you just saw consistently very good wrestling and no dark spots. Yeah, I don't count the pre-show message um, pre-show matches just because I don't think it's fair to the other WrestleManias that didn't get them counted when I do those mm-hmm. ratings. I also think that I will not agree with this year's average because the um, because the uh, the ladder match and the Seth Rollins match both got over four stars, and I definitely did not see them at that level personally. But I'm sure there's been plenty of other situations that are like that. But yeah, I'm sure it'll be it would be one of the highest uh, once I once I calculate it. I'm sure it'll be one of the highest ever. Because I think the highest in terms of star ratings average was like WrestleMania 19. We're just talking about the Observer star ratings, so Meltzer's ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 19 was the highest. I wouldn't be shocked if this was if this was number two of mm-hmm. all time uh, on that list. So yeah, it was very good. Uh, I enjoy- all experiments need a constant, and D equals Meltzer stars. That's just a, a handy way. Yeah, it's a to- it's a good way to cross reference and stuff. You know, it doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily uh, definitive. Um, I certainly would not trust his star ratings, for instance, on Royal Rumble matches. Ask me what the best Royal Rumbles are, okay? <laughs> um, but I, uh, but I would. Is that your bumper sticker? <laughs> yes. Um, sure. Oh, I'm with you. I uh, I liked last year's better. I think, um, you know, to reiterate, last year's had more peaks and valleys, including a pretty massive valley as the match before maybe the co-starring historic moment of the show. But I think the Undertaker streak breaking as a moment more than makes up for them having a darn right shitty match. And I think um, just the catharsis of the Brian story in his two matches adds something more than a show with good wrestling top to bottom, even though both the uh, Reigns-Lesnar main event and the booking of the finish, I thought, were were A-plus stuff. Agreed. Um, I would say I would not, and you know, obviously you need more time to think about it, but I would not add um, this year's WrestleMania to my list of top 10 WWE pay-per-views since the year 2000, which we uh, did uh, plug, uh, by the way, on um, for Listen and Learn uh, late last year. But uh, it's not far from that list, I would, I would say. Yeah, that. it could get in there at the bottom. I think, you know, 17 and 19 are the classics, and then they're not all equal, some are a little better, some are a little worse, but 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 26, 28, 30, and 31 are all great shows. And by the way, I just calculated it, and this will easily have the highest star rating as average of any WrestleMania. Wow. Three point f- Damn it, A-Train. 3.43. So, who sinks WrestleMania 19? Um, Miller catfight match was not rated yeah probably that undertaker match um 
uh, you know, the the the, the uh, handicap match with him against the Big Show and A Train. Jason Albert. Exactly. You know, I did think, and thank you for your instant uh, efforts. Watching this year's Undertaker match was a weird time warp to me because it was like all the way back to when Undertaker's match at WrestleMania before this, not only the streak, but the streak of excellent matches. It was just like, oh, the Undertaker's having a match. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yes, um, like you could just count on that to be the best match for several years, which is amazing, actually. But it is, um, alas, not the case. There's really no one now that you could say, okay, this person's going to have a great match because the people that it should be, like Daniel Bryan, are not always put in the positions to. I mean, honestly, the only year that he was really put in the position to have these classic matches was you know WrestleMania 30. Because at this point, a multi-man ladder match Almost impossible to make that a classic match because they're such a dime a dozen now, no matter how exciting they are. So he's really he really hasn't had the chance yet. But if he was given the chance, I think that he would be pretty reliable in that regard. It takes a whole lot of assistance. Shawn Michaels was booked as Mr. WrestleMania and put in a position to have a classic and the time and the accommodations every time out. And even when he had not traditional matches... Uh, he did some unique stuff, whether it was with Vince and, and with Flair. He he made sure to have like the best possible version of those matches. Whereas you look at someone like Rey Mysterio, who has essentially never had a good WrestleMania match, um, and never will. Despite being one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Yeah. Right. And possibly even being in some ways at his peak during a lot of those years. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah. I will say about Brian, um, his health notwithstanding, I think uh, the tumult, I guess, about whether or not they hate him and were trying to kill him, we talked about last time. Right now, that arrow can go on the side of, no, he's kind of okay. Um, the match they put him in did end up being the showcase for him, and at least before he got hurt, there was a plan to, like, kind of just let him do his own thing and be a guy who wins and defends a title and everyone just shut up about it already, you can have this, as opposed to flattening him out and marginalizing him. Though he is flattened out and marginalized regardless, but, you know, in terms of, I guess, outright maliciousness. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that notion, except, you know, it's really something that we'd have to wait and see on because if they're really, you know, using him to rehab the ice title it can't just be like oh he has matches that he wins it has to be like oh he has feuds that are interesting and has which have tv time and he gets mic time and his opponents get mic time and i guess they were on their way to doing that because he did have some angles with sheamus and he did have some um angles with barrett and they had mic time and they had um yeah they had they had stuff going on so it wasn't just like they were thrown out there doing matches so i'd say they were off to a good start with that at least it's kind of funny because if we presume, and it's a large presumption, that he can just keep working now for the foreseeable future, he should be doing exactly what Cena is doing, um, except Cena is already doing that. You don't really want the same open challenge and two-segment TV match with both belts each week, so it's kind of weird that Cena took his spot doing that, though I'm completely in favor of both those belts being on important people 
and doing meaningful things. Yeah, I, I, I think honestly for the IC belt and for Brian, I think it diminishes him to be like defending it in long matches every single week. I think it should be a little bit special, and I think they should build up. You know, they should make sure that he's still a character and not just like, you know, a good hand that goes out and has good TV title matches for ten minutes every week. You know what I mean? Um, I think the universe loves to say yes. Anyway, right. Shifting gears now. Right. Exactly. I think Cena needs to be protected a little bit less than Brian does. Cena could just go out there and have a random match and he still seems like he's important. Whereas Brian, I think it's still important to book him in feuds and angles to build up his matches. The the question of these Daniel Bryan diaries is, uh, I, I presume Seamus is going to go over Ziggler and work with Brian next. Again, that's assuming even if Brian doesn't work this pay-per-view, he keeps the title and picks up his bookings again relatively soon. Um, so a big question to me there will be whether Daniel Bryan gets great WWE babyface booking where you win a lot or whether Daniel Bryan has to put over a newly turned Sheamus to keep Sheamus strong. Um, many babyfaces, Sheamus included, would beat heels even when heels were on the rise. So that should be a good question. Look at that Usos-Wyatt's feud where just the Usos were being booked as strong face tag team, so they kept beating the Wyatts, even though the Wyatts could have won the belt. Or Randy Orton being booked as a top babyface title contender, so he beats the tag team champions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if Brian was hurt, he wasn't... If Brian was healthy, he and Cena should just team up and win the tag titles too, so all the titles can be protected. That's the only way that's going to uh, preserve them. Yeah, I'm, I'm still holding out hope for like a Cena versus Brian SummerSlam match. Cause well, you almost saw it as a TV match with the disqualification finish on a taped Raw from England. Well, hopefully that would have been a precursor to a pay-per-view match with more at stake. But we shall see. Let me say this. Okay, I agree with you about that ladder match. Like, it was really good, but how can it not be? And disappointed me more than it titillated me um it was only like 14 15 minutes i thought they could have gone longer and had something akin to the main event money in the bank with punk and brian and a lot of great guys in it where when it when it's 15 minutes they just sort of like everybody does something they sprint through the match and then somebody wins Everything is great. It's really fast. But in the longer match, like, they sell and there's internal storylines that play out and and people do more, like, wrestling spots as opposed to, like, rushing to do one signature ladder spot per person. Um, Or a better example would be the first Money in the Bank because that match is, like, a masterpiece of its form. It was was not just a great ladder match. That That was a really awesome, awesome match meticulously booked with a storyline with Benoit's arm and um, showcasing Shelton Benjamin and all kinds of good stuff going on in there. The utilization of Tyson Tomko. So with the talent involved, I uh, I was let down by that. I was let down by that too. Um, but I also wasn't expecting that much from it because like I said, it's really hard to do something new with those matches at this point. I think maybe that whole multi-man ladder match needs to take a break for a couple of years so it can be brought back as something new. I guess it's good now that they don't have two every Money in the Bank mm-hmm. pay-per-view now, but it seems like... So they did somehow magically end up with two last year, even after 
they weren't guns. Oh, that's right. Jeez, I forgot that already. Um, so, uh, well, there you go. That's what that's what that says. And, that, and neither of those matches were so spectacular either, if I recall correctly. Though I think the Money in the Bank one was better than the World Title one. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think I love ladder matches, but I think probably had my fill on them for a little while, at least as far as the multi-man ones. I think it's been a long time since they had a really good singles ladder match. I know they had the one with with uh, Ziggler and and um, Harper last year, but that was still it wasn't really like an epic main event style singles ladder match the way some of the classic ones have been. Mm-hmm. Cena and Ziggler from two years ago. If you haven't seen that, you should. I was TLC. I was at it. Oh yeah, shit. <laughs> I was. I excluded shield uh hell no all-stars from my mind because like well he was at that one but and it was not a ladder match really it was a match where they could use ladders right but yeah dolphin and cena was great i guess you know that you saw it it was there um i think it's better for wrestlemania card composition than throwing everybody in a battle royal um they also did yeah but i think Whatever chance this one had, it was we said it at the time and seems more clear in hindsight, totally killed by its inexplicable bizarre uh build based entirely no exaggeration around stealing the belt and our truth being um geez, what I can judiciously call a magical cartoon character with no racial overtones, yes, which he was great at to his credit but oh boy yes doing that on purpose yeah no racial overtones at all (laughs) um agreed um yeah i mean they they didn't they didn't they didn't do those guys any favors and it showed and the guys were still good wrestlers so it was still good so this is feels like such old news but now it feels quite clear to me that uh whether you made an intercontinental title match which would be even better for at least some pseudo stakes and the title if they're rebuilding it. Ziggler and Brian should have just had their match. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sure because I, I just feel like the impulse would have been so strong for those two guys to get eight minutes that I, I just I can't I can't believe that would have been worthwhile in that in that situation. I think with some more re- If you can promise them the same fifteen minutes of the ladder match. Yeah maybe and Scott, can, do we have a deal? Maybe and and I think if we you know with some more rebuilding you know, uh, you know that that could certainly be something for next year's WrestleMania. I, I think they weren't at that spot where that match could mean much at that point, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think though the stadium setting and the crowd would have like decided on their own to make it important, despite everything you say being true. And we could have at least just had that. I just saw because they worked on one of the SmackDowns before and the Raw after, and I just pictured them doing their same match and having their same popped spots in a stadium setting and been like, yeah, that would have been a lovely addition to uh WrestleMania. Yeah, but this is especially when uh with the nature of the ladder match, like Daniel Bryan won it and that was cool and it was a nice moment for him, but in fifteen minutes he only did like two or three minutes worth of stuff. Yeah, okay, but but here's my thing on that. And this is where I feel like booking makes a big difference because to me, those two guys, you know, at their best could have a classic match. And I don't think throwing those guys out there for 15 minutes, no matter how athletically on point it was, could be a classic match because there wouldn't be the intensity. 
you know, Savage versus Steamboat was a classic match because it was a climax to a really intense feud with like, you know, a hot angle and a lot of lot at stake personally and emotionally. And, uh, you know, even Razor Ramon and, and Shawn Michaels, they had this long term feud. It was the climax of something. And I I think that's what you need to make a Daniel Bryan versus Dolph Ziggler mid, mid card match be as good as it can be is that you need to actually give them an angle and some personal issue and some intensity and some emotional stake. And I think it was just, there just wasn't enough time for that by the time that match was on the table. I think you start building that match up now and actually put some thought into the booking. I think they could have the match that they should be able to have. Yeah. Well, I mean, given those limited choices, I, from least to most interested, I would say ladder matches, they booked it with belt stealing shenanigans Second would be serious ladder match build with like people going for a prestigious title in a match with legacy implications at WrestleMania. First choice would still be a Brian Ziggler singles match for the IC title. Fair enough. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe let's play our game then. It's kind of hard to do until you brought this up before, like you don't even see a direction for the rest of the year. And we don't know whether Roman Reigns is going to catch on or bust, or maybe just stay at the same level. Last year was, we had a a couple quick fixes and changed the card this year. I don't know. Um, I still think as far as like history's divergences that uh, if you couldn't have Brian and Lesnar in a singles match, it would have made the television, which was pretty dire and negative for all of March, it could have only helped it to have Brian in there as a three-way. Um, was the match so such a classic and historically significant that you would... I mean, what would you say? Just like keep that as your main event, but make sure you do an infinitely better job getting Roman Reigns ready for it? Or would you change everything and, and pay off the Brian thing we used to talk about? I would have not brought Brian back until after WrestleMania. Ooh, yeah. I, 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 that that's my opinion, and I and I feel like could you would you at least like promote Daniel Bryan's return match at WrestleMania? Mm, I'd think about it. Depends on who the opponent was. Um, He's here to show the world. Oh. Like if they put him maybe like a returning against um, a Seth Rollins or someone like that, that could be that could have been something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would have wanted to keep Dean Ambrose strong, uh, uh, so I think probably Ambrose versus Rollins would have been the way I went mm-hmm. in that situation. Um, I think Ambrose Rollins, the miniature version of Brian the year before, <laughs> where they weren't going to give him a blow off, and then at WrestleMania they remembered to. Yeah, something like that. I feel like that that's what I would have done. Um, Brian, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I just wouldn't have brought him back until after WrestleMania. Because even then, the notion of Brian being able to go at WrestleMania will, would bring up those resentment, feel, those, those resentment feelings towards Roman Reigns, right? So I think things would have been a little bit different without that. And I think Lesnar would still have probably ended up resigning. And I think we still would have had that really hot main event. You still could have done the same thing with the money in the bank. Um you know all that stuff, so I would have I would have held Brian off. Um, as far as everyone else, um, maybe some sort of um, I probably would have just done Undertaker versus Sting. That's what I was gonna say. If Sting is gonna have a two and a half star match and Undertaker is gonna have a two and a half star match, they may as well just have it with each other. Yeah, um, Cena and Rusev. I guess it, it was a well it was a well enough received storyline that they could you could have kept that. I. Um, 
you know, I, I'm still not totally comfortable with Rusev as good as he is. Uh, but I can't begrudge the fact that he's gotten over compared to most other new acts. Um, I probably you tie a couple of your ideas together and have Brian's return match be the Cena babyface rematch. We are a couple guys who need something to do. Yeah, I would say so. Um, well, maybe I'm not sure. I have to think about that one longer. The disappointing thing about the Rusev match to me was like it was fine and all, but Rusev is such a movie monster character couldn't play that kind of heel on the same show and as Lesnar and the same booking of the main event of Lesnar. So like what should have been the final toppling of a a Michael Myers like monster ended up just being like heel gets caught with finisher and loses instead of the whole gotta chop the tree down over and over again. He's a tough wobbling, 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 whoa that you would think would pay off an undefeated Russian machine who had beaten everybody for a year. No, agreed. Um, as far as other stuff for WrestleMania, um, mm-hmm. if I'm going to do a multi-person ladder match, I would probably do it with a bunch of NXT people. I think they... I wonder... It's weird because you told me there was a rumor on the internet that never made it up to Dave's level that the there was just going to be an NXT title ladder match with every guy in NXT you would think of in that sort of match. And I wonder if that was... A, an idea that there was like the the genesis of that then they just gave to the ladder match instead because they deserve the the main roster guys deserve that spot. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think that those NXT guys, especially if you didn't overdo it, like it was like four guys, they would have had more incentive to be like particularly creative and go all out and do something really interesting. And I think that's like like the minds of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens uh, and Finn Balor and. You know, Hideo Itami, it would probably be the, the, the four you'd probably want, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you're assuming that Neville is moving on. Then, um, you know, maybe you could throw in Neville as a fifth guy even. Um, I, you know, the, the, their, mi- like, their minds would be such that they would make it really interesting. And I think the crowd there would have gotten into that. Um, I think, you know, you want, I think I'd probably want to have some sort of like serious, you know, long ish tag team title match on the main show. That's just like a one-on-one tag team title match to, you know, give that title some credibility, you know, sorrow and kid against the Usos, you know, and if, if you, if you, uh, based on the notion that if the booking was different, uh, uh, Uso would not have gotten hurt and they could have actually had that match. Oh, if he was never in a T SmackDown match against Matadors or whoever, then he never would have hurt himself doing that dive. That's, you blew my mind, man. Yeah, so you could still say that, and I think that could have been an awesome match. Um, you know, then can you also have what can you do to make Lesnar never uh, land on his head at WrestleMania 19? Well, um, you know, move Angle a little bit closer. If Team Angle had just gone over Edge and Benoit <laughs> on a SmackDown leading up to that, I have a feeling that Angle would have. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Anyway, please continue. Is there a wrestler that ever came out to the ring with like fake wings on that like flapped the wings that caused all sorts of other things to happen? Boy, I mean, I've never seen a TNA show in my life, but maybe the fallen angel Christopher Daniels. <laughs> um, have you really never seen a TNA show in your life? That's a. I've seen um, the Penny pay per view, I've seen the pre launch Monday night impact and then i saw the proper one a couple months later well in that case you have yeah so lies 
I turned it on once to see Christian debut. I'm a big Christian fan, and then I turned it off before Christian made it out there. I, I was just like, uh, I feel no. I feel like it's possible that when the Undertaker returned after being buried alive, he lowered from the ceiling and had wings on. But I'm not positive. Yeah. Yep. Okay. This is that happened at some point. They were like bat wings, right? His deaths. Yes. Okay. Exactly. So the, when the Undertaker flaps his wings, it caused there was probably like a. Victoria's Secret winged angel brawn panties match at some point with your Candice Michelles and such? Hmm. Probably. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so I guess those are my ideas. Triple H doesn't need to have a match. Um, Let me tell this to Mr. Paul Levesque, a.k.a. Triple H, the COO of World Wrestling Entertainment, Inc., NYSE, WWE. I'm just saying, if Triple H sat out of WrestleMania... It would make it even more exciting when he came back the following year. Listen, okay, at the Survivor Series, due to the actions of the Vigilante Sting and the bravery of Dolph Ziggler, the authority was deposed. They should have stayed off then um, and not come back because there was no storyline reason. Orton and Rollins would have only been better if Orton would have just came back angry at Seth Rollins without all... His, his secret plans and such. And um, if Triple H has to wrestle Sting, he could have done it as a leather jacket clad civilian who was mad that Sting cost him his uh, control of the company. And I'm with you. He can just uh, stay out. They can be gone since November. And then um, no appearances on TV. Rollins is like the last scavenger <laughs> of the authority and doing his same thing. He can, I guess probably still pay um, Jamie Noble and Joey Mercury to be his friends. Big Show and Kane don't need pushed as his heaters. And um, to tie all the timeline together, then say that uh, Hunter and his wife, who've been off TV so long, come out as a surprise at WrestleMania, because it's still WrestleMania, and they're like, we just wanted to say hi, and we know you'd miss us, and then they can heal in the crowd, and then The Rock comes out and is like, shut up, get out of here! Because nobody wants to see you, and you lost. And then that plays as it did. Yeah. Wow, perfect. Perf, as they say. So I think we did it. Did we Did we successfully make WrestleMania better already? Only the long arms of time will help us truly perfect it the way we did the 30 prior. Um, and to bring it full circle, what is your Roman Reigns stock prediction at this point in time do you see him as the next great man or do you see him as the next good man or do you see him as uh nash orton i see him as the next john goodman yeah no i I do see him as the next good man i don't think he's going to be the next john cena at this point i think he will be a main eventer in two years though i don't think i don't mean he won't be a main eventer for two years i mean he will still be a main eventer in two years babyface the whole time no how about you? I am not going to predict because I'm sick of talking about him. Okay. I'm going to say Nash Orton. Nash Orton all the way. Nash Orton, interestingly, is also the name of the character I use in a number of fan fictions. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you if he was like a hillbilly, I mean a, I mean a bluegrass singer. A hillbilly. Nope. He's actually an uh, East Coast guy, Nash Orton. He also wears sunglasses. I've used him in my Star Wars fan fiction, some Lost fan fiction, some Game of Thrones fan fiction. Let me tell you about Nash Horton. He looks exactly like me. Um, he's 
a little bit taller. He can grow a full beard. And he's very interesting. Anytime he shows up at the base or the castle or the spaceship, all the pre-established characters are always like, Nash Orton, you've picked up uh, the regimens of our lifestyle so quickly. Do you want to take over and be a, a really important component of the next big mission or quest? And customarily, he's like, yes. Uh, and he does really well. Everybody likes him, and he does have sex with some of the female characters uh, in those universes. Wonderful. And by the way, when I said hillbilly, I think the word I was looking for was rockabilly. But there you go. Great wrestler. Um, okay, <laughs> for Nash Horton, <laughs> for Matt Feuerstein, I have been my name, my show, named so after myself, changed one of the syllables. Any closing thoughts, Matt? Nope. Feel the speakers pumping through your veins Look around you, this is just insane So good, I don't want this night to end Oh no, no Yes, a lot, I don't think I can hear My heart beat, but I see oh so clear All the smiling faces in the crowd And I know that you can hear me I'm the leader of the pack Gonna play Hey, welcome back for a second. Hold on. Wait. Um, let me say this. Uh, let me recount. Two minutes into last week's Joe vs. the World episode, hot off the presses, Joe and I were introducing and discussing Joe's fundraiser, Joe Gagne, first name basis. You ever heard of him? Uh, and at that point, about two minutes into the show, as I recall, I made a promise to the audience that if Joe hit his goal on his donations, I made a vow... I made a generous offer, a tantalizing one, that I would bring back to the audio airwaves the mysterious and wonderful Hobbs. And so that was recorded. It went into the official show. It's canonical. Three minutes in. Now, three minutes after the Cubs fan made the episode available for download, Joe Gagne's fundraiser reached its financial goal. Three minutes in. The only conclusion that I or anyone can and should draw from that is that the people have demanded the return of Hobbes. Guest for an ephemeral amount of time on Joe vs. the World, I believe 2015-9-8, eight years ago, right? To this day, let's say, sure. Um, So you've demanded it. I'll give it to you. It is my true honor as a broadcaster and a man to bring back to you, after low those eight years, in audio seclusion, the return to the CubsFan.com airwaves of Trevor Dame, a.k.a. Hobbs. Hobbs, I speak for everyone out there who donated, who literally forced my hand into bringing you back here. We're so grateful and excited to hear from you again. Thank you. How are you? Doing good. Thank you very much. I'm glad we could pay tribute to Joe by helping him get to some convention where he can play like WrestleMania the arcade game with 12-year-olds, and <laughs> now we're honoring him by bringing back the guest he hates the most. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, you win some, you lose some. we got to keep the scales comically balanced for Joe. 
if I offered it to you, if you had, if you could make negative donations to that fundraiser, would you? I w- and how much? I would just like to uh, take his copy of Royal Rumble for the SNES because mm. I like that game. And then, I don't know, I would probably just slash his tires, maybe. That's fair. Oh, then, well, I think he's flying, though. Oh, God. Everything's so good for Joe. (laughs) (laughs) And I think further threats would be susceptible to NSA. I don't know what the international body that oversees Nation and Nation calls is. You're a proud Canadian man. Uh, Or I don't know what your sense of national pride is, but you're a Canadian citizen. If I just say bomb, it'll start being monitored right now, this Skype call. Uh-oh, uh-oh. So, um, what can I say to contextualize our friendship other than it is deep and meaningful and stretches back uh, 15 years or so? We're super best friends and we watch wrestling. Um, Maybe we can get into it more at another point, but what the literal promise I made and what I am ready to deliver right now is... Another five minutes, like when matches go to a draw and everyone chants five more minutes. I know Joe Gagne is in the front row pumping his hand, saying five more minutes uh, (laughs) of Trevor Hobbs' dame. So I told you, um, just I'm giving you the same parameters as your historic appearance on March 14th, 2007 of uh, Joe vs. the World. You have five minutes of uninterrupted public access podcast airtime to discuss whatever you want to raise awareness for whatever issue you want to bring to the populace. And last time in 2007, we learned about some of the nastiest acts perpetrated in the history of the Nasty Boys' lives, and you can go back and check that out um, if you want to know. And um, so, right, five minutes, it's all yours. What, sir, as I open my iPhone app, that certainly didn't exist when Joe was counting them down then, um, with your first syllable, your time will begin. What would you like to discuss here on uh, on this uh, Justin Shapiro show? Well, I decided this time to be twice as prepared as last time. So I've brought two different things. One is short but sweet, and one is probably as bad as last time. So uh, the first thing is, I don't even know if you're going to remember this conversation because I didn't, but it is a chat, an AOL instant messenger chat we had 12 years ago, more than a decade of destruction ago, and you found fit to post it, and then a poll related to this. So I'm just going to read it, try and read it quickly. It's not very long. Okay. Hobbs says, I think it's time for Kurt to bring back the hair. Justin, seriously, but he's probably balding noticeably, so he won't do it is my guess. I respond, yeah, probably. Justin says, or maybe Kurt is the only person who has to adhere to steps. I respond, no hair forever. Justin responds, I think Kurt should put his pubic hair on the line versus the right to grow his hair back. I respond, maybe he should just clue his pubes to his head. Justin responds, or he can put my pubic hair on the line as collateral. I would do that for my Olympic hero. And at this point, you post that chat and then write, the question is, would you, if you've already lost your pubic hair in a wrestling match, you are disqualified from voting. So you, would you like to take a guess about uh, how the results of the poll went? I will point out there was 54 votes cast. Would you put <laughs> your pubic hair on the line in order for Angle to win his hair back? This is the honor 
system that people who had lost their pubes in a wrestling stoop did not vote because I had no way of preventing them from doing that. Hmm. I wonder... Now, I'm taking up your time by speculating, so I'll just blow through. It was kind of de rigueur by then to shave your pubic hair, even as a man. So I wonder if that tips the scale. I'm going to say 69%. (laughs) We'll shave them pubes. Or no, risk those pubes. Well, a lot more pests. The results are. 59% no, 41% yes. There was a nine in one of the numbers, just not the one I guessed. Mm-hmm. Ooh, boy. Oh, ye of little faith. And surprisingly, despite the fact that I was involved in the conversation that spurned the poll, I, in fact, says here, did not vote in the poll. So whoa, I'm going to cast my vote now. Please, yes, with eight years of hindsight and maturation. Yes. Well, how do you feel? I would tape it to a pa- to a piece of paper like a letter from Santa and mail it in. <laughs> or like the Patrick Waugh hockey card I asked him to autograph and he responded five years later with a postcard he signed. Ah. So, all right. So, wow. phase one of the plan is complete to try and make this more entertaining by basically just using you to fill my time. Thank you. And you've hit the two-minute warning okay. with the conclusion of this sentence. I will go quickly now to... An article from Inside Wrestling Magazine from December nice. 1994. Back into that library microfiche. <laughs> By Eddie Elner, who usually liked the heels, so this was a strange article from him. But mm. stop laughing, why Sparky Plug deserves a world title shot. <laughs> since, Hulk Hogan di- since Hulk Hogan's defection to WCW, it seems everyone has an opinion on how to boost fan interest in the WWF. Ideas range from the reasonable, lure Big Van Vader and Sting into the Federation, to the bizarre, kidnap Jane Fonda and make her Ted DiBiase's valet. None seem more ludicrous than the rumor that has newcomer Sparky Plug getting a series of title shots, a rumor, according to one high place source, that is becoming seriously considered. Plug has the highest Q rating of any WWF newcomer in years, <laughs> the source, referring to Plug's marketing recognition factor and growing popularity. Since Bret Hart takes on all challengers, the thinking is that a Plug Hart title series would galvanize wrestling fans. The crossover between auto racing and pro wrestling is already substantial. Promoters feel they can tap into Plug's demographic and sell thousands more seats if he's wrestling for a title. But is the newcomer ready? Plug shows extraordinary skills for someone of his relative inexperience. A recent match against Quang the Ninja highlighted his strengths and weaknesses. While committing several rookie mistakes that a veteran champion like Hart would have pounced on, Plug showed dogged versatility and relentless drive. He won the match and had fans screaming out of their seats. And then I'm just going to do a little self-editing and get to the real meat of this. Okay, I looked. I'm going to go right ahead. I looked up this name. I don't think this is a real person. Don't let that let you think anything less of Inside Wrestling or the After Family of Magazines. But here we go. Tyres Lanigan. Tyres Lanigan, that is no quotes on his first name like a nickname. That is his God-given name, <laughs> Tyres Lanigan, one of Plug's stock car colleagues, scoffs at the notion of Plug unable to withstand pressure. Let me say one thing off the top, says Lanigan. Without ever seeing Sparky Plug wrestle, I know he could fight for the championship right now. I've seen him in bar brawls and track skirmishes, so I know that he's got the physical tools. But I've also seen him cut inside the leader on a hot curve at 190 miles per hour without breaking a sweat. That boy has ice blood in his veins and a computer between his ears. 
He's the toughest competitor I've ever known. If he puts his mind into wrestling, we'll drop the flag half-mast at the practice oval, because racing would lose one of its finest athletes. <laughs> Splitting time between the ring and the racetrack made it impossible to pin Plug down for comment. He's always on the run, said a WWF official. I still think Plug should get a title shot, insists Tyers Lanigan, adding what the WWF wants most to hear. Because he's exciting and genuine, and people will pay to see him try. That may be enough. Elner, 1994. Copyright. <laughs> London something. London. Your, your buzzer went off two minutes ago, but like soccer, I went and evaluated and added more time to the clock. Extra time. Upon merited, yes. And I feel like you. I was going to give you time for plugs, and this is exactly what you used. is plug. So... Um, so many interesting issues, and we've listened to Bob Holly on a lot of podcasts. It's amazing to me that he has not cited this article as evidence, um, and if you've read his book, The Hardcore Truth, also a man who's often just not bitter but pretty perplexed as to why he wasn't uh, pushed as the number one guy in wrestling for most of his career. Not but. since Bo Jackson have we seen a two-sport athlete like this. I mean, I, it's just a... Little known side of him. Don't ask us. Ask his friend Tyres Lanigan. Not a nickname. Also, I would just like to uh, plug Observations, which is my non-existent podcast that will never happen. Oh, the Wrestling Observer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now you have extinguished most of your plug time with Plug himself, but yeah. So look for that fake podcast, Observations. And can people can also find you under the username Hobbs if they want to see some of your recent rabble rousing on the WrestlingObserver.com message board. You can like find me every few months making a string of inflammatory cheeky posts that actually don't serve any good, and then I'll disappear for a few months. So check that out. You're a gadfly, and society needs gadflies. You seen Daredevil on Netflix with that uh, Ben Urich? Not yet. Well, you see a lot of you in him. Hmm. Um, anyway, is it, uh, with this appearance now formally in the books, is it accurate to say that with this resurrection that Trevor Hobbs Dame is open for podcast business going forward? I think so. I, it's not quite a Ronda Rousey situation, <laughs> you know, I do have to get approval from my grandparents to see if they enjoy this, but if they do, I'll do it for them. You heard him, Art of Wrestling. Justin, I got a question. Yep. At what point are we going to rock it? <laughs> I think you just did. So right now?